On today's podcast, we're going to talk about panic. Now, right. a lot of times people will confuse and use panic and anxiety and worry. Right. They'll use them somewhat synonymously, right? right. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to talk about panic in more of a diagnostic, you know, what a, what a panic really is mm-hmm. and, and how we can deal with that without medication. Without medication. The reason we want to talk about panic is because about 2 to 3% of individuals worldwide um, experience panic attacks. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a big number, but this is one of those disorders that uh, when a panic attack occurs, it is extraordinarily yeah. frightening to Absolutely. people because it feels like you're dying. Right? Right. That's how people describe it, as I thought I was going to die. The interesting thing, one of the paradox, the interesting paradoxes of panic attacks is that people think they're having a heart attack, right. so they rush to the emergency room. Right. And, and they're often told, disappointed. <laughs> I'm not, you're not having a heart attack. As Heart's interesting fine. as it is, right. they're disappointed that it's not a heart attack, it's a panic right. attack. And the terrible uh, sort of tragic irony of all this is that when people are having heart attacks, they don't have these symptoms. Right. And so they don't go to the emergency room. Right. So they're rushing to the emergency room for a panic attack, but they fail to rush to the emergency room with a heart attack because right. it's not as significant right. an event. And so... Um, so panic attacks, panic attacks are, are alarming right. to people who are having them. And, and every time you talk to a person who has a panic attack, most describe it in exactly the same way. That right. they, they say, it felt like I was dying. Absolutely. Now, because it's such a, an emotionally wrenching event, most people who experience panic attacks do everything they can to avoid having them. Right. And over time, we've learned that that's the absolute worst thing that you can do. Right. You're, not, you're never going to deal with it right. if you keep avoiding it. Well, and interestingly enough, it, that's what differentiates a panic attack from a panic disorder. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. A panic disorder is when we experience a panic attack and become so fearful and anxious mm-hmm. that we're going to have another panic attack that right. we start limiting our functioning. And That's so, right. you know, if you're going through the grocery store and you experience a panic attack mm-hmm. and then suddenly you become so anxious and worried that you're going to have another panic attack if you go to the grocery store, that you stop going to the grocery store. Which is... The disorder. That's when it becomes a panic disorder. That's right. Because now it's an impairment. Right. Now it's impairing your life. Right. Because if we think about what a panic panic attack is, um, a panic attack is an adapted, um, very important phenomenon for us to experience. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're walking in the forest and you're confronted by a bear, Mm -hmm. you want to have. A panic attack. A panic attack, because right. what that's going to do is it's going to trigger the fl- fight or flight right. response. And that's the that's one of the ironies of this thing is that this is a normal physical response right. to a threat. Okay, it's just that there isn't a real threat present. But the biology of this is exactly synonymous with the biology of fight or flight. Right. It, it is what keeps us alive. Right. Um, when that's we right. you know back when we needed to be. Uh, kept mm-hmm. alive um, from from predators and, and things like that. Right. Um, the problem is, is that again, walking through the grocery store, there's not a bear. That's right. And, and but well, all the symptoms are the same: rapid heartbeat, and mm-hmm. all the all the physical um, symptoms yeah, the are the same, the same in fight or flight or in panic attack. So it is supposed to occur. So a panic attack is a normal right. physical response. Absolutely. The only problem here is that it's an imagined threat. It's right. not a real threat. It's, it's, it's happening outside of an actual threat of an to actual ourselves. Threat. Right. But it's very hard to convince people 
because the panic attack is so frightening that they that they start to avoid anything that might produce another one. Right, and, and, and if you've had a panic attack, you, you know, because what we'll say mm -hmm. is, um, you know, the question of course always comes up, well, what caused it? What was right. happening? That, and many, many times people will say, I have no idea. It just right. like hit me. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we want to say is that <clears throat> you might be listening to this and say, well, I don't have panic attacks, so this doesn't have anything to do with me. No, it really does. Right. Because a panic attack is increased arousal. Right. Okay. And we all have that. So the, the concepts and the strategies that we're going to be talking about in today's podcast apply to panic attacks, but they also apply to any situation that you might have elevated arousal, elevated emotionality. Absolutely. So there, there are certain things that can increase our risk for panic. Right. Um, and so, you know, there, there are certainly some um, preparatory or, or preventative things that we can mm -hmm. do, um, right. such as, you know, reducing stress, managing our, our our typical worries and anxieties and things like that. Mm -hmm. Managing those things will, will help um, prevent the onset right. of a panic right. uh, panic attack. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well as some ways to to manage panic attacks when they do happen. Right, right. And so this uh, author, his name is J. Scott Frazier. Um, he's specialized in this for a very long time. And in fact, we were struggling a little bit with the phrase, the terms he uses, because right. some of them are from an older version right. of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Right. In the previous version, right. um, you would diagnose panic disorder, um, and you would indicate whether it was with or without a, a condition known as agoraphobia. agoraphobia. Right. And agoraphobia is when a person um, sort of restricts themselves typically to their right. home uh, because of fear that they could go out and they could experience a panic attack or experience right. something where they need to get to safety or get help or something mm -hmm. like that and they may not be able to get that safe get to That's that right. safety or get help and they refer we refer to that as agoraphobia right. um, in the new DSM the new diagnostic and statistical manual right. it's the fifth edition um, those two disorders are separated so you can be diagnosed with agoraphobia now outside of also being diagnosed right. with with panic disorder right. so but what what he refers to with agoraphobia is something we're all familiar with it's that tendency to avoid right okay we, we say well avoid going out of your house no, it, it, it's the tendency to avoid the dread the right. fear okay but there's so there's two parts of this one is the tendency to avoid, and the other is the fear of embarrassment. Right. And so, so that's what's, those two things are what are producing the panic attacks, right. okay? Because they, they get out of control mm -hmm. and they produce these physical symptoms that we call panic disorder or panic right. attack, okay? So what we're afraid of are the bodily sensations. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to occur again because they think we're, you think you're dying. Right. And the embarrassment that you might pass out Right. throw up in public and that's where the agoraphobia comes right, in right. Is it out outside your home right. and so people tend to restrict their activities mm -hmm. to stay in a place where there isn't public embarrassment right. okay so it's based on those two things the 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 fear and the embarrassment that uh, people start to restrict right. life activities so the symptoms that we talk about are palpitations of mm -hmm. course and chest pain that's why people think they're having a heart attack right Sweating and trembling, mm -hmm. but you're supposed to do that when your uh, your 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 sympathetic nervous system gets your activated. Your body is loaded with adrenaline and right. everything to make that happen. And you shortness of breath, mm -hmm. you know that 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 feeling, and then the fear of dying or losing control mm -hmm. or am I losing my am I going crazy? People right. come in, they'll say, I think I'm going crazy. No, mm -hmm. you're not going crazy. Right. These are all normal 
physical responses to fear. Right. Okay. Absolutely. To threat. Okay. Now, so what we have to do is the other thing that happens is you'll say one of the first things we professionals ask a person with a panic attack of what triggered it. Right. And frequently they don't know. Right. The the way that this whole system happens, we're not going to go into neurobiology too much here, but um, it begins in the limbic system. It begins mm-hmm. with the with the thalamus. Uh, which is sort of Grand Central Station, right? right. And, and the thalamus is like a little brain inside your brain. And if it receives information from your senses, um, right. vision, hearing, whatever, and it interprets that before your, before your cortex interprets it, before right. the wrinkly part of your brain interprets it, your thalamus is going to interpret it. And if it sees it as a threat, right. for whatever reason, if it sees it as a threat, it's going to trigger a panic attack or fight or flight. Um, through the limbic system before right. you even realize what's happening. That, and that's exactly what's happening. Right. In many cases, what's happening is that your your um, your fear response is being triggered right. before your think the thinking part of your brain has a chance to catch right. up with it. I mean, that's all that's happening here. Right. Is one part of your brain is becoming more active mm-hmm. than a second part of your brain. Right. And so by the time your, your thinking part catches up with what's right. happening, right. You may have absolutely no idea what was going on or what happened at the time that, uh, right. of the onset. And so it, it really is uh, scary and, and complicated. Right. right. And so you have two ways to trigger, one, two ways to trigger a panic attack. Mm-hmm. One is you can have an external threat. Right. I mean, you see something and it triggers your uh, fight or flight, your fear response, and you respond to that particular mm-hmm. event. Um, any any sensory sensation it could be right. a smell it could be a, a the appearance of something the mm-hmm. sound of something on the other hand sometimes they appear out of nowhere right. um, or it's a thought that you're having right you know that you you're, you begin to ruminate mm-hmm. on something that you think might be dangerous and right. so it might be a thought that triggers the mm-hmm. panic or it might be a sensation that triggers the Absolutely. panic okay so it could be could be something where you want to work with the subcortical structures, mm-hmm. address those. At other times, you may want to change your thinking and change right. your thoughts. Absolutely. So, um, that in mind, with that in mind, what what's happening in both cases though is this: these limbic structures are being activated, and they're send you in, sending you into this physical state that you want to do everything to avoid. Absolutely. Now, one of the main ways that we treat that, right. that panic panic attacks and panic disorder is treated is with medication. Your medication. Um, right. Oftentimes, it's, we're talking about the benzodiazepines and mm-hmm. things like that, just to because if we think about what they do, they just calm the brain. Right. They they mm-hmm. decrease the likelihood or the possibility of the brain, get, you know, setting a fire. Right. Uh, so it, it just calms everything down to reduce that anxiety and the risk for that right. uh, panic attack. And so, it's and it's understandable that sure. people want to reach for medication because again, we're talking about a very frightening, a very scary event. Mm-hmm. Say, I don't ever want to experience that again. Right. So is there any medication I can right. take so that it never happens again? Well, as it turns out, there is. Right. There is a class of drugs, right. the benzodiazepines. They work very quickly. They do work quickly. Right. Um, and, and they're very effective in squashing the feeling. Absolutely. The, the concern, of course, is that they're they're highly physiologically addictive. Right. Um, so your brain gets used to them very, very quickly mm-hmm. to where you become dependent upon them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, one of the things that we have to remember is that they're really not designed, they weren't really developed right. to be used long-term. That's right. They're really yeah. only used to be, or, or created to be used temporarily while we build some of these other skills that we're gonna be talking right. about today, mm-hmm. or we're building those skills uh, so that we can prevent them ourselves right. um, with, our, with our own sort of behavioral and, mm-hmm. and, and thought-based 
strategies. Right. And th these are the medications like Xanax, right. Valium, Librium, Clonopin, right, like Clonopin. They act very quickly. They're very effective. The problem is, rather two problems. One is addiction mm -hmm. right? and you develop a tolerance. So you have to keep increasing the dose in order to get the same effect. But the other problem is, and if you go back to what we first talked about during the introduction, is these medications are a way of avoiding mm -hmm. the panic right. attack. And that's what we don't want to right. do. Because the treatment eventually, what, what we're going to end up with today, is the treatment is you have to confront these things. Right. You have to overcome these right. things. We, we, ignore, we don't want you to overcome the fear of a wild animal. Sure. Or, or of a dangerous situation. Yeah. Okay? Don't walk up to that bear. Right. That's I mean, not a good idea. That's okay. We're talking about uh, unrealistic right. um, unnecessary. fears. Unnecessary. You don't, you don't really have to. There, there really isn't a threat here. Yeah. We know it's frightening, but there really isn't a threat There here. really isn't anything scary on aisle six of the, of the store, <laughs> of the grocery right. store. Right. It's, it's really okay. Right. And so what, you, what we're going to ask you to do is to expose, um, confront, right. overcome these things. But you can't do that. If you're taking medication, absolutely. Okay. It's not that medications don't work, but there are risks, and it gets in the way of what the final treatment has to be, and that right. is exposure and avoidance. Right, because the 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 absolute irony mm -hmm. uh, with with anxiety disorders and, and panic disorders and things like that is that the the very thing that makes us um, feel the best when dealing with it is avoidance right. is actually the thing that perpetuates it and makes it worse. Makes it worse. Mm -hmm. um, and so we do have to confront yeah. it and we have to, you know, go out of, um, sometimes we have to do it in a very strategic way mm -hmm. to confront some of those stimuli or some of those environmental things that um, can trigger the panic right. and, and, and right. deal with it and, and breathe through it. That's right. And then there's a second class of drugs, the selective serotonin reuptake right. inhibitors. We typically think of them as antidepressant medications, right. but they also have this effect of reducing anxiety. Right, and, and that's physiological as well, because right. what happens is, you know, our, our serotonin is our body's natural mechanism for calming, right? right. So um, serotonin is the precursor for melatonin, and right. which helps us regulate our sleep and things like mm -hmm. that. But it, it helps it helps manage some of that arousal that happens in our, but it's right. it's more um, mood based as opposed right. to emotion based. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. it's more long term sort of big picture stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 challenge, of course, is that um, you know as we manage or we're dealing with uh, chronic anxiety mm -hmm. or ongoing panic and, and, and anxiety, um, those serotonin levels are depleted. Right. And, and they really, right. you know, they're really used up by that. And so now mm -hmm. you don't have it for other things that you need it, need serotonin right. for. Mm -hmm. And so taking the SSRIs or some of the other antidepressants that, that increase serotonin help right. replenish some of those right. um, chemicals. That's right. So serotonin keeps you calm. Right. Okay. And, and so the problem with the SSRIs is that they take a long time to work. Six and, to eight weeks. Yeah, they can take a long, they, we're talking about mo a month mm -hmm. or two. And... You're not going to. You may not respond to every one. Yeah. So the physician may prescribe Prozac, for example, mm -hmm. and you try it for four or five weeks and it doesn't work. So then you try a different one. Right. It could be months right. before you actually get the right drug. Absolutely. So you are going to have to be patient, and you're going to have panic attacks right. in the meantime. Um, the second problem is they have there are other side effects right. that these medications can have, and so it it's not without some price that that you'll take these things. Mm -hmm. But the problem with, with both benzodiazepines and the SSRIs is that 
once you stop taking them, mm -hmm. and, and presumably you will stop taking them, Hopefully. Um, you're probably going to have a return of panic attacks right. because, again, you, you haven't done the work. You haven't built the skills to right. manage it. Yeah. You have, so what the medications are designed to do is to make it possible for you to learn the strategies right. to overcome your fears. Absolutely. Okay? And, and if you're only taking the medications, you're not learning the strategies to overcome your right. fears. Yeah, okay. and, and that's what we've talked about many times on this podcast is when it comes to medications, psychotropic medications or um, psychiatric medications, the, the ultimate goal it, for those medications should be to make you and your brain available to learn the strategies right. for managing whatever difficulty you're experiencing mm -hmm. without the medication right. so that you can then come back off of them. That's right. And so what, what we're, we're asking you to do here is we want you to move from mastery by avoidance to mastery by exposure. Right. Okay. So we, we, in order to overcome this, you've got to expose yourself and you have to get control of these things. Absolutely. Now, and I like that the author makes this distinction. In order to, the, the reason the medications might be helpful is that it's going to take some time and some effort for mm -hmm. you to learn these strategies. Sure. You have to do it with a clear head. Absolutely. Okay? And if you're having multiple panic attacks or you're stuck in your house, or you're, you're developing more and more deep-seated mm -hmm. fears, it's going to be hard for you to do all the things you have to do to learn the strategies. Right. It's and, not an easy process. And it would be different if you, you could have a therapist there with you, Right. Um, you know, meet you at your house and say, okay, hey, let's get to the grocery store mm -hmm. and go down aisle six together right. um, and, and walk you through it and help you mm -hmm. um, process through it. But we can't always do that. Right. You know, the insurance doesn't right. cover those kinds of things, and you know, the availability and all that kind of stuff is difficult. So the medications do serve a role when it comes to that. Right. But so think of the medications as um, it makes you available. Right. It makes it possible for you to do the work you have to do. Now, one of the approaches, not the only approach, but one of the approaches we use is called cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of misunderstanding with yeah. what is called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, many times people say, well, I, I went to a therapist mm -hmm. and they just wanted me to change my thoughts and I right. couldn't. No. It's much more right. than changing your thoughts. Right. Okay. So the, uh, using cognitive behavioral therapy is a, is a process involving several steps over maybe an 8, 10, or 12 visits yeah. uh, to a therapist. So um, it is a process. It has multiple steps. And you really, you and the therapist have to really work at this to get it right. It, yeah. It'll work. But it takes some time. Yeah. It takes some work. Yeah, the challenge really is, uh, to, just to not put too fine a point on it, the, the challenge really is, or the, the problem is really derived from self-help books. I'm, that's, I'm convinced. That's true. Yeah, because what happens that. is that people, we, we will read self-help books and mm -hmm. we will attempt some of those strategies because they are, they are cognitive behavioral based. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you know, you're, you're reading through it, and, but you're not yet you're not really getting the instruction and the guidance and everything that a therapist would give you. And so you're missing pieces. It's, it's sort of like, you know, the, the kid that grows up being, being a pretty good artist and mm -hmm. can draw pretty well, right. but never learns the foundational or fundamental aspects of, right. of art. Um, and so they, they grow up and they're missing pieces. Right. Um, I deal with it at soccer all the time. Right. Kids that are really good players, right. but they, they kick the ball with their toe. Right. And it's just that they, that's just what they've always done. And so you have to retrain them you know, at 10, 10 years old, right. um, and it's really difficult. Or the musician who can't read music. Yeah. You know, he's a skilled uh, pl uh, instrumental player, yeah. but he can't read music. Absolutely. So, um, so that's what we're talking about here. So the first step, oddly enough, 
or not so oddly enough, is the first step is education. Yes. Okay. People need to understand. We've sort of been doing that uh, so far in this podcast right. as we're talking about panic attacks. Um, first of all, patients need to understand that this is a normal yeah. adaptive response. Yeah. What the, the, the feelings that you're experiencing, you are supposed to experience in certain situations. Right. There's nothing abnormal. You're not crazy. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with you. This is a perfectly normal response. Mm -hmm. It's just occurring at the wrong time. Absolutely. Okay. So first step is education. Always education. First. Right. Second step is self-monitoring. Yeah. Where yeah. does it happen? When does it happen? Right. And this is the tricky part. And we're, this is where we're going to ask you to, to have faith, mm -hmm. to trust us, because what we're going to ask you to do is we're going to ask you to go through some panic attacks, mm -hmm. monitor it carefully, take notes so that you can come back and tell us what this experience is like for you. Right. You need to know, you need to understand your panic attack in order for you to deal right. with it successfully. Yeah. Different people have different uh, different reasons for having panic attacks. And so you need to understand what yours are. Right. So this is the first step in confronting right. and withstanding. Uh, we're going to ask you to go through some panic attacks right. and, and to be very thoughtful and when you're going through them. And that's right. going to be hard to do. Yeah, because oftentimes there, there are little cues that we don't always attend to, mm -hmm. little mm -hmm. cues that happen just before the panic attack strikes right. that will that can give you some indication that here, mm -hmm. here it comes. Right. Um, we, we, we don't often recognize them. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's just an uneasy feeling. Sometimes it's just a little bit of stress or feeling overwhelmed or something like that. Um, but there's always there, there's oftentimes something just before the panic and walking through and, and really right. being self-aware through that self-monitoring mm -hmm. mm -hmm. really is a good way to help you identify some of the triggers. Right. Now, if you can endure step two, and, yeah. and that's we're going to ask you to, to endure this, you can go to step three, which is learning some of the techniques to kind of pull yourself mm -hmm. back off mm -hmm. the edge, okay? Right. And these are things like breathing techniques or systematic relaxation. Yeah. Um, and, and so what we're gonna what we're gonna teach you how to do, what you're what you're going to learn how to do is in the middle of a panic attack that in fact there yeah. are some ways that you can bring yourself back down. Right. Not going to be easy to do, right. okay? But, work but again, with your therapist, and they will but again, people that. will come in and say, "Well, you know, the breathing doesn't work for me." Yeah. No, breathing alone isn't going to work for you. But breathing as a third step of a process right. uh, offers you some hope. Will it will it be fast? Is it immediate? No, we're not giving you a, a value. We're not giving you a pill, right. and it takes a little longer. You know, people talk about changing the brain. You mm -hmm. can change the brain, but it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. Absolutely. Okay, so. You'll learn some ways to manage the panic um, with right. some different kinds of exercises. Yeah. The th the, and some of these work immediately, like mm -hmm. breathing is designed to work immediately, whereas relaxation is, is a little bit longer. Right. You, what we're asking you to do is do your relaxation exercises once or twice or three times a day so that you keep right. your brain in a Calm. more relaxed yeah. state. Okay, yeah. uh, you're, you're, it, It's harder. Uh, you're not close to panic mm -hmm. when you're doing these right. daily relaxation activities. So, right. but again, takes practice, takes a little time. Right. Then the cognitive restructuring they, part yeah. comes up, and this is what people typically think of as. Right. Um, and that's the problem CBT. is that we typically go straight to the cognitive behavioral, but right. really it's the it's step four. Right. That's right. You, you have to do all these other things right. to get to the effective part of this. Yeah. So, with cognitive restructuring, we're going to. Do 
discuss with you what your thoughts are and how mm -hmm. they're getting you to where they're getting you. What, what are the fears? And in most cases, people are catastrophizing right. unnecessarily. That's the word here that you want to remember, is that our thoughts carry us to, to places right. where we really don't need to go. Right. And, and, it's, and it's really more self, you know, the cognitive behavioral piece begins with more of that self-awareness. Right, right. Yeah. And, and so what we have, all of us have this, we have what, what this author calls unexamined hypotheses. Right. In other words, well, I just assume this is going to happen. Right. Right? I, I'm really taking a close look. I just, yeah. I just know that it will, and it's going to yeah. produce panic, so I don't want to get anywhere near it. No, we're going to get near it. We're going to mm -hmm. investigate these things. How are your thoughts getting you to where they're getting you? Right, absolutely. And then where the rubber meets the road. Step five. Step five is exposure. Right. We're going to ask you to look the devil right in the eye. Yeah. Look the beast. You know, you got to confront this thing directly. Okay. Right. This seems like a paradox. Why should I mm -hmm. expose myself to the thing that might create this? Well, the only way you're going to overcome it right. is to use the skills that you've learned in the first four steps to be able to expose yourself to it and to right. overcome it. Teaching your brain and your body That's that right. you're going to be okay. That's right. That's right. And then that gets you to the last step, which is accepting during exposure right. that I can handle this, that exactly. I can overcome this. Yeah. And again, you can, you can see if you go through these six steps, it takes time mm -hmm. and work to get from uh, the, the state that you begin with a panic attack mm -hmm. to the point where you actually have the strength and you feel like you have the tools to manage exposure. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. so you, don't, you don't go from panic attack to exposure uh, and you don't just change your thoughts quickly. Yeah. It's a process. It's a, it's a it's a lengthy process. takes a few um, takes a few weeks or months to Absolutely. get it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the the link to this article is in the show notes, and so you know go check it out. Take it with you to your therapist, but talk right. to, and talk to your therapist mm -hmm. about these strategies um, to walk through this process mm -hmm. in a systematic right. way to to help you overcome those those panic attacks um, and and sort of regain your ability to do some of the things that you right. want to do. And, and one way to think of this is, um, if you were going to on a weight loss program mm -hmm. or an exercise program, you don't go from where you are to where you want to be in a couple of days, right. unless you take medication right. okay, um, for panic attacks. But for most of us, it's a process, it takes a little bit of work and mm -hmm. a little bit of effort, but um, we want you to move from avoidance to exposure, exactly. avoidance to confrontation, because that's the only way you're really going to get over this. You can handle it, yeah. but it takes yeah. it, it's a step-by-step -step process, um, and it takes a little time, just like any anything else that's worth doing. It takes a little time and a little effort. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, all right, that is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.